0: Well, good morning. My name is JB with Not By Works Ministries. Uh, Great to have you along for the program today. And we are excited to have our uh, semi-regular guest, Randy, on the program today. And we're going to be talking about UFOs, the Bible, and you. UFOs, the Bible, and you. Now, before some of you uh, turn this podcast off, uh, let me uh, kind of set the stage for what we mean when we're talking about uh, UFOs. Um, Now, if you've been following our podcast, you know that last week I had the opportunity to be on Brandon House's show on Mike Lindell TV a couple of times, and the second time we talked about UFOs. It was a short segment, maybe 15 or 20 minutes, but boy, it generated a lot of uh, uh, interest, and we've gotten lots of emails, and it's just been uh, clear to me that this is uh, a topic of great interest to people because many believers really have never studied it. They don't know what we mean by UFOs. They have been conditioned to think that UFOs are, you know, the stuff of crazy conspiracy theories and tinfoil hat nutcases. Uh, But in reality, that's not the case at all, as I explain uh, in the new book, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. So if you don't have that, by the way, you can check out spiritoftheantichrist.org. Again, that's spiritoftheantichrist.org. And you can pick up a copy of the book there and also kind of get a preview of uh, what we talk about in chapters 9 and 10, which are all about the spirit of phenomena, the spirit of phenomena. So uh, I hope you'll uh, stay tuned today for the podcast. I know Randy's got some, some really bombshell information that <clears throat> will be of interest. But what what are we talking about when we talk about UFOs? I think everybody knows that stands for Unidentified Flying Objects. The new term uh, that uh, people use today, or at least the government uses uh, in its official documentation, is UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. And, you know, as we look at this through a biblical lens, here is the premise. You know, the closer we get to the end times, the spirit of the Antichrist is ramping up. And that spirit of the Antichrist includes the spirit of phenomena. And it is most definitely on the rise. When things are heating up on earth, it's usually an indication that they are heating up in the heavenlies. And indeed, this cosmic battle between Satan and God to take over the earth, it's not really a battle from God's perspective to take over the earth. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It belongs to him. He's the eternal creator of the universe. Uh, but Satan is battling God and has been for 6,000 years to try and take over the world and claim it as his own. He wants to everyone to worship him. He uh, orchestrated a coup in heaven and tried to get all the angels to side with him so he could take over the throne, and uh, God would have none of that. So he kicked Satan out, and Satan took one-third of the angels with him, and they ever since then have been wreaking havoc on this earth. Uh, The earth indeed is the devil's playground. 1 John 5 tells us the entire earth is under the sway of the wicked one. He is the prince of the power of the air, the god of darkness. And so when things are heating up on earth, which they most certainly are, that's an indication that they're heating up in heaven. And what do we mean when we say things are heating up on earth? Well, throughout human history, whenever God's plan of the ages makes a major shift into the next phase, it's always accompanied by cosmic phenomena that signal something significant is about to happen. And This coming shift into the end times that will begin with the rapture and be followed uh, in succession by things like the Great Tribulation with the Antichrist ruling and reigning in uh, satanic tyranny for seven years, the Battle of Armageddon, the return of Christ to establish the long-awaited kingdom on earth, the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, and ultimately the new heavens and the new earth. When Uh, everything comes full circle, and God makes all things new once again. So we're we're heading toward that shift that will begin with the rapture. And as we obey the words of Christ and look at the signs of the times, as he said in Matthew 16, we cannot help but see that we are in fact getting closer and closer. We don't know when the rapture will happen. It could happen at any moment, but certainly uh, the stage is being set. And so it should not surprise us that we're seeing all kinds of uh, crazy unexplained phenomena paranormal activity and yes UFO activity. Uh, the Bible reminds us that the coming of the lawless one that's talking about the antichrist is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders. 2 Thessalonians 2:9. And Jesus warned that during the future tribulation, false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. So Uh, As we talked about last week with Brandon House, um, you know, Brandon was kind of intrigued by the notion that all of this uh, spiritual uh, demonic activity that manifests itself as UFOs could be sort of setting the stage to provide the Antichrist with an excuse for the rapture. In other words, when millions of people disappear and are caught up to meet the Lord in the air, 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, how will those left behind, the Satan-worshipping Luciferian world leaders explain it. They're certainly not going to say, hey, we have an announcement to make. God's word is true. God is faithful. And he indeed rescued his children, the body of Christ, from this present evil age. They're not going to say that. So Brandon was speculating, and I agree, that uh, they're going to use this uh, spiritual phenomena that we see taking place all around us As an excuse to suggest that you know aliens from another planet, little green men from Mars, from Mars came and 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 captured or you know abducted all of these uh, people that are now missing. Uh, I don't believe that's the case at all. That certainly doesn't agree with the biblical record. But that doesn't mean that there are not real UFOs. The question is not do UFOs exist. The question is what are they? And we must always be biblicists first and speculators second. And so uh, in my book, I have a chapter, uh, a section in chapter nine, which is all about UFOs. And the section in the UFO chapter is titled, I believe in UFOs and so should you. So again, if you've never studied this, many Christians will naively uh, think, oh man, Hickson's gone off the deep end. But when you actually study it, you realize that for more than 70 years, the United States government has been tracking UFOs. We have literal buildings full of paper documents uh, attesting to the reality and the existence of UFOs in all different forms, triangular crafts, orbs, disks, lights, um, you you name it. And along with that, what is really puzzling and what we're going to talk to Randy about in a moment is the fact that a lot of other paranormal activity seems to uh, coincide with the UFO sightings. And so when people see UFOs, there's often other really bizarre cosmic phenomena taking place. So uh, the reality is this is all part of setting the stage for the return of Christ. Now, in my Spirit of the Antichrist books, of course, I detail many, many other uh, signs of the times and spirits of the Antichrist, like, you know, the spirit of persecution, the spirit of power, the spirit of perversion. Uh, We talk about Satanic ritual abuse, which is on the rise. We talk about the spirit of pride. We talk about that rise of anti-Christian sentiment and, of course, the gender surrender movement and transgenderism and all that goes with that. We talk about Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, transhumanism, artificial intelligence, the Luciferian timetable. You know, what they're saying their timetable is to usher in the one world system politically, religiously and economically Speaking of religion, we talk about the coming one-world religion. Uh, So we cover a lot of ground. UFOs is just a small segment of the book, but I thought I would dedicate today's show to that topic because the Brandon House interview did engender quite a bit of uh, uh, discussion. So with that biblical background about the signs and lying wonders and the reality that paranormal activity tends to be on the uptick as we shift into a new era in God's plan of the ages, uh, let me bring on... Our regular guest, Randy, who is uh, not only a great friend, but like I've said before, one of the most knowledgeable and educated men I know. And he has some uh, some pretty deep sources within military intelligence. Uh, and I'm hoping he's going to share uh, some of the info and the intel that he's getting from them, uh, but also any other information that he's uncovered related uh, to this topic of UFOs. So Randy, welcome to the program. How are you doing?
1: I'm I'm doing just fine, sir, and um, I want to tell the audience right up front, I am probably the biggest skeptic of UFOs and little green men that you've ever met until the last few months. And I'm becoming very rapidly a believer, and there is actually something there. It is, as you have described before, it is demonic in nature, and they are not here to be our little friends. So my sources in the last couple of months, I've been really digging into this. And there's only so much you can get from your friends that are embedded in law enforcement, military, etc. Some things are top secret and some things they just don't know. But I would take you back to Nikola Tesla, which I believe everybody's heard of. A very famous man responsible for many inventions Uh, one of the brightest men that's ever lived. And basically, he, um, he had a farm 40 miles east of Colorado Springs back in the late 1800s. That's where he began his experiments, and he gradually moved to other places. But he ended up at the New Yorker Hotel in New York for, I believe, the last 20 years of his life. Now, the United States fbi and cia uh took a special interest in what he knew what he thought and how he did things and they actually set up rooms right down the hallway from him to monitor everything he did when mr tesla died there were 80 trunks of information now there is a nikola nikola tesla museum in serbia and some people have actually went over there and spoken to them and uh, things were very cordial until they said well we'd like to go look at what you have for his collection and the curator basically said well we didn't arrange that ahead of time we can't do that well the investigator said okay so how much information would you say um is down there and the curator said there are 60 trunks of information now tesla left 80 they have 60. The biggest question has always been, where did the other trunks go? The other trunks basically contain information with him dealing with and contacting aliens. Uh, he had supposedly made a death ray. that was <clears throat> noted by the militaries of several con- uh, countries, and they basically really wanted that information. Now, Mr. Tesla died basically... You know, a hermit. Nobody really spoke with him except the people that took him his food, waited on him, etc. But underneath the New Yorker Hotel, there were a series of tunnels from which he could leave the building. The FBI, the CIA would not have known it. He could have contacted many people. He could have gotten rid of the trunks, etc. But just keep, keep in mind the 20 trunks that are missing. All right. Now, there are certain items of Mr. Tesla's that have never, Dr. Tesla, that have never been found. They have no idea where they're at. And since there's 20 boxes missing, we'll assume they're in there. Um, It's believed that Dr. Tesla would have been one of the first modern um, physicists, whatever you would like to note him as, that actually made an attempt to contact aliens, with something besides chance, etc. I mean, the guy was a genius. He had an apartment full of things on top of the New Yorker, and from that laboratory, which basically involved the entire building because of the way he had it wired, they would they imagine that he did some really strange things that nobody knows about. Well, so we'll just leave Dr. Tesla there for just a few minutes. But L- let, remember, me a, let me interject.
0: Let me interject on Tesla real quick um, because. Sure. Some of our listeners may be familiar with some of the Hollywood uh, depictions of him, like the current movie Current Wars and other movies about Tesla. Um, but uh, fascinating stuff, fascinating movies. Um, and what's interesting is he died in 1943, right in the height of World War II. And what you know, as I state in the book Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume Two, uh, a lot of this paranormal UFO activity. Uh, began in conjunction with World War II in fact it is widely 1947 is widely considered the dawn of the modern UFO era and I detail in the book the two most famous sightings in 1947 that kicked off the the UFO uh, you know uh, era which were uh the uh, uh oh mountain Rainier in Washington and um uh, uh and then the the one in New Mexico. My brain is just fried. You guys will have to forgive me. I think I'm coming down with something here. I've got a sore throat and I'm just praying that I'm able to keep my strength up for tonight. By the way, we do have, uh, we're going to be live streaming tonight. Let me throw that in there. So I'm kicking off a new series on Wednesday nights at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia uh, called um, uh, our great God and and the greatness of God. And we're just going to be talking about how awesome and mighty God is yeah, uh, we've been talking a lot about how evil Satan is and what a loser Satan is. Now we want to really highlight, uh, you know, God and all his majestic power. And I think it's going to be really encouraging. So 6 p.m. Mountain Time tonight, go to notbyworks.org, click on the uh, live stream button, uh, and you'll see it there. But the two sightings that I was talking about in 1947 were the Roswell crash and the Kenneth Arnold sighting in Mount Rainier. But anyway, I just Randy, I just thought it was interesting that Tesla was a contemporary of that age. Of course, he died before 1947, a few, in, in 1943, but still a fascinating man. And I think you're about to tell us that some of the stuff that he was into, even though he thought he was in search of alien life, he was really dabbling in uh, the spirit world, was he not?
1: Yes, he was. And a lot of people believe that the spirit world is what assisted him in actually some of his experiments where to look how to look because the technology he was looking into was probably a hundred years ahead of him he had technology where he could uh, provide electricity to people using the ground and uh, that was replicated on the uh, history channel they set up a light bulb i forget how far away from the electrical source they turned the electrical source on and the light bulb lit Mm-hmm. And it was hundreds of feet away and it went through the ground just like he predicted. But anyway, a couple of interesting facts before we move on with him. When he passed away, his um, material was reviewed by the FBI and by the CIA. Now, the gentleman that reviewed it for the um, CIA or the FBI, his name just happened to be Gary Trump. Mm-hmm. Now, it's kind of ironic that he was the uncle of our president, Donald Trump. so as we go through this, you're gonna see that there's a connection with all of these people, all leads back to the military and some of the foreign countries, and it gets really interesting. But moving right along, um, I listened to a uh, an interview with a Colonel John Alexander. Now he was pretty much in charge of Blue Book, Project Blue Book for the Air Force really deep into what the government knew what they were studying etc his explanation for what we are seeing now is very simple he said some of it is just games played between the Air Force and the Navy because they're spoofing each other testing each other he says that a lot of it um, a lot of some of the things are just unexplained but he was... Um, very clear, and he said, you know, you all have been able to see the technology we are working on. He said, if you take your tabloids and you look in the background when somebody like uh, the Globe or the National Enquirer or something like that does a big expose on little green men, UFOs, etc., he says, if you look in the background of many of those tabloids on the front page, you will actually see examples of what we were working on. He had uh, actually shown a couple of enquirers that, and you looked in the back, there were different vehicles in there, different space vehicles. And he said, I can't tell you which ones might be worked on right now. But he said, if you look at the tabloids, we always put that stuff in there, kind of to get the public used to it, kind of get an idea where they're at, how they're feeling, etc." It was so- a very interesting interview.
0: Yeah, so oh, yeah. for our audience uh in case they don't know what Project Blue Book is <clears throat> that you reference uh that goes back again to the dawn of the modern UFO era and those major sightings in Roswell and Mount Rainier and the US Air Force established initially what was called Project Sign that was on December 30, 1947 and uh, that's when they would, would send out their agents and their uh, staff to go investigate Uh, these unexplained, uh, unidentified flying objects. And um, they released a report in 1949 that they called Project Saucer, in which they totally lied, as we discovered they're going to do for the next 70 years, uh, until it all kind of broke loose in 2017 with the New York Times article. But uh, they released this memorandum called Project Saucer, and they lied and said there's nothing to be concerned about. But obviously they weren't being truthful because they continued... Uh, Project Sign became Project Grudge, and Project Grudge eventually became Project Blue Book, which was started uh, March 25th, 1952, and that's where we have literally buildings full of documentation from not only military personnel and these are intelligent, credentialed, educated, uh, you know, individuals, but also uh, civilians. And even, you know, police officers and, uh, you know, law enforcement and so forth. So 70 years worth of incredible uh, documentation. So, you know, when Randy's talking here about this, uh, John Alexander, I think his name was, and uh, in in referencing Project Blue Book, you know, these are not, uh, you know, conspiracies or they are conspiracies, but they're true conspiracies uh, that the government was working behind the scenes, worried Randy, do you think they were worried about these, uh, what they might have perceived as aliens, but whatever they are, we know biblically they're demonic and and dimensional beings. Uh, Do you think they were worried about them from a a national defense perspective?
1: Well, I would say definitely. Mr. Alexander had stated that the, um, let's see, the B-2 bomber, the... uh, what was it, the F-117 we saw in Desert Storm and stuff. He said, we developed that at, at Area 51. He said, Area 51's getting to be too popular, so a lot of stuff is done otherwise. And he said, you know, at that time, we were way ahead of everybody. But he says, now they're concerned. They look at all the UFOs. They look at, you know, pictures of the beings and everything. He said, what concerns them now is there about 145 or 150 instances they can't explain. He said, the basically um, the physics involved, the propulsion systems, the weapons, the anti-gravity items that they're showing, um, even dark matter, which you know I've always thought is kind of hocus pocus, but he didn't. He said, those items are what concern them. And he said, somebody, Somebody is way ahead of where America is right now. Yeah,
0: I, of course, I, I actually I quote um, uh, Dr. Simeon Hine and his book "Dark Matter Monsters" in the book, and uh, I mean, yeah, all of this stuff is, you know, is just barely scratching the surface of what's happening behind the scenes, and again, it all goes back to the premise that there is this unexplainable, unidentifiable. Uh, enemy, if you will. And as you said, it's not benevolent. A lot of people naively think, oh, yeah, maybe there's UFOs out there, but they're just these benevolent creatures from another planet coming to investigate and extend a hand of friendship. Not at all. It's satanic in nature, and uh, there's a lot of it going on behind the scenes. And if I can just tease one section of the book again, I'm not going to tell you the story because I, I, I want you to buy the book. But uh, uh, if you've ever watched the, the Hollywood blockbuster movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind... As is almost always the case, art imitates life, and that movie by Steven Spielberg is based on a true story. And uh, one of the top level uh, advisors to Project Blue Book uh, and uh, Project Garage and Project Sign, for that matter, makes a cameo appearance in that uh, in that movie. So, yeah, you'll have to read about that in the uh, in the book. But yeah, the crazy uh, crazy stuff, Randy. What are your What are your military intelligence folks saying about, about this? Uh, how scared is the government of what they see happening?
1: Well, the, they gave me some instances, which I could find a few of these, actually, where there was films completed. Uh, they had an ICBM test a couple of years ago where they, uh, I believe it was being tested in California. Right after the launch of the missile, it was surrounded by three orbs which appeared to be hitting it with lightning or some kind of a ray. And it totally ruined the missile. It went into an electronic malfunction. It basically would not work. And it went all over the place before it crashed. And they're saying, well, if they have that kind of power over our missiles, other weapons, they're going to be useless. And there's a good possibility of that.
0: Isn't isn't Um, that the one that also... um... Had like dents in in it in the in the missile uh, when they recovered it that indicate whatever these orbs were they were actually making literal impacts uh, indentations in the missile
1: and the indentations were in the cone of the missile and they have film of it you could plainly see the rays hitting the missile which is a little disturbing because if they're able to do that then do we really have a nuclear deterrent at all Hmm. but. They also get into um, the orbs. He spoke about the orbs because he believes a lot of those are just used for spying. Now, as we go on here, we're going to find out they're not, but some of them are. He believes that the Chinese, some other adversaries, maybe are so far advanced above us that we just don't realize what they have. And that would be borne out by the hyperglide vehicle that was demonstrated by China a year and a half ago. It's faster than anything known. It can go backwards. It can land. It can go wherever it wants to. Nothing like that exists in the United States arsenal, supposedly. So when we go back, we remember what was a year and a half ago when they had the uh, large amount of drones by the missile bases in North Dakota, South Dakota, and I believe also in Wyoming. Now, The Air Force says that was a test. They were just running a test on their missiles through the air base in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, One of my friends says, we had nothing to do with it. We don't know where it came from. We don't know who they are. But he said for something to actually evade our radar, evade any type of reconnaissance we have, and go over a missile base worries them a lot. Because he said, if there's something that can interfere like that, we have no idea what their capabilities are if we had to use our weapons.
0: Yeah, and I I talk about that. I call it invasion of the drones in chapter 10 of the book. Uh, It was 2019, uh, the end of the year and early into 2020. And um, yeah, fascinating stuff. I actually uh, give an interview that I did of someone back while that was happening uh, a farmer in Nebraska, that is a, a fascinating interview. But, you know, this stuff that you're that we're talking about here, uh, Randy, uh, I mean, this has been mainstream ever since 2017. In fact, Tucker Carlson on Fox News has had dozens upon dozens of stories on his evening show about, you know, with top brass military people on, saying, look, we don't know what this is. And so anybody that thinks it's all simply, you know, Chinese technology that we were unaware of, they're lying to themselves. The, the, uh, there may be some of that, as you said, but uh, some of it defies any known technological capability uh, on the planet, things that, that defy all of our laws of physics and so forth. So uh, yeah, uh, go ahead.
1: Well, back in 47 or 48, whenever um, Roswell had their UFO, the gents in the military say that there is still one alien alive, from that crash. Four died, one are alive. Supposedly, that's kept either at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, or it's kept at Dulce, D-U-L-C-E, Arizona. There is a military base there, which they believe
0: say, primarily- uh, New Mexico, not Arizona.
1: New, yes, New Mexico. I'm sorry. Arizona comes in later. Yes. So there, <clears throat> it's one of those places. Now, the really interesting thing about one being alive. We've always wondered what the cattle mutilations are, right? All right. The explanation I get, the cattle mutilations are basically our military harvesting the genitalia and other parts of the animal, the blood. That's what the aliens are fed. Hmm. That is how they kept the one alive. And this is from one of your sources that
0: says that's yes. what's... Okay. So I talk yes. about these mysterious animal mutilations, which go back to the 70s. Really, they go back centuries. But in the modern era, uh, it really kind of got started in the 70s. And Linda Moulton Howe, who was a, uh, a Channel 7 uh, KMGH-TV uh, uh, reporter and director of special projects, she is widely known <clears throat> as being at the tip of the spear in investigating this all over the world, literally. In fact, she won a an Emmy for her television documentary, A Strange Harvest. Uh, so a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with uh, what is commonly called cattle mutilations, which is a bit of a misnomer because it's really animal uh, mutilations. Uh, yes. They, they it's horses and pigs and even domesticated animals as well, but it's primarily cattle. And, um, uh, but that's happening all over, still happening to this day. In fact, I give an interview of a a current farmer uh, in Nebraska that that talks about experiencing it. So you're saying these sources are uh, connecting the cattle mutilations to the alleged alien. And again, I want to clarify for our listeners: we Correct. don't believe in aliens. We're not suggesting these are little green sure. martians, you know. But exactly. But they 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 do. There is some type of demonic manifestation. Call it shape shifting, uh, call it uh, you know skin walking. You know I talk about both of those in chapter ten: skin walkers and shapeshifters. Whatever it is, you're saying that these cattle mutilations, which are clearly demonic in nature, are harvesting food for this captured uh, skin walker, whatever it might be,
1: or uh, it could possibly be multiple. Entities, maybe not just the one still alive, maybe other ones, because supposedly there are other ones that are kept alive within the United States. I find it very disturbing that that could be going on underneath our nose, because we know some of that is also used in satanic rituals. But to think that our own government would be involved in something like that, covering it up and keeping the entities alive Um, I I find that right at the edge of what I can believe. And the problem is, I know things are so much further along that what we know about, um, it's not outside the realm of possibility, unfortunately. In your book, you talk about a gentleman by the name of Paul Miller. Uh, In the research I've done, I find that some of the orbs, well, L.A. Marzulli, I believe you know him and a lot of our listeners probably do, actually had an interview with a gentleman that uh, was exposed to one of the orbs that is about 10 feet tall. Now, I wasn't so interested in what the guy was saying as I was in watching the gentleman, the witness, how he behaved during the interview. Um, My 41 years in insurance and being a private eye, You learn to tell very quickly if somebody's lying or telling the truth. As far as I'm concerned, after watching this gentleman for half an hour, he is totally honest. He's not making any of it up. And in his conversation with Mr. Marzulli, he said, as he walked by the orb, it spoke to him. That is the only instance known where sound was ever emanated from. The UFO, UAP, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, and and, and to clarify, says, usually the communication that takes place is telepathic, and telepathic, and that's correctly. that's the case with this uh, uh, gentleman that I interview from the book. I interviewed him several times over a period of several months, and uh, uh, really feel like I have a friendship with him now, although uh, we've never met. We've only talked by phone, but uh, he he echoes the same thing that it's very difficult to explain, but somehow thoughts are put into their mind by these orbs that can only be explained as demonic. And by the way, that interview, which comprises a big number of pages in that section of the book uh, really validates what, you know, I've been saying for 15 years about the Luciferian conspiracy. I mean, we don't need validation because it's plainly stated in the word of God, that there are spiritual battles taking place that we understand demonic warfare, Ephesians six and many other uh, passages, but uh, this is a guy who, firsthand for 46 years, uh, was demonically possessed and dealing with the t- upper echelons of the Luciferian elite, and confirms everything we're saying about the human co-conspirators, the human, you know, partners, if you will, of Satan as he tries to, uh, you know, take over this world and usher in the One World System. So, so back to your your interview there uh, with the guy with L.A. Marzulli. You're saying this guy was not it wasn't telepathic communication he actually heard an audible voice
1: it was an audible audible voice which he said sounded like a young girl Hmm. and as he walked by it when this orb spoke to him he also spoke back to it he walked on a little bit looked over his shoulder it was still there walked on another 25 yards or so and it was gone now I'm still a cynic, I'm not, I'm not being swayed, but I happened to talk to my uncle who uh, related a story when um, they were young, living on a farm by Melford, Nebraska. Um, the dogs were going bananas, the cattle were stirring, getting ready to just break down the fence, and they went outside. Outside, they noticed what appeared to be a red wolf or coyote, Standing there. All of a sudden, it started running at them. My grandfather picked up an axe and threw it at the wolf. The entity disappeared. And the really weird thing is, this was maybe 30, 40 feet from the house. They never found the axe that he had thrown Wow, that sounds a lot like
0: the uh, the famous uh, story of uh, from Skinwalker Ranch in northeastern Utah. I talk about uh, I don't tell this story in the book, but I talk about a lot about Skinwalker Ranch and some of the scientific research that was done there. It's considered one of the um, uh, top uh, paranormal hotspots. Uh, again, when when secularists and not unbelievers talk about paranormal. We, they don't understand that it's demonic. We mean demonic. We, we understand that the things like you just described are have some type of a demonic a component. But yeah, that, skin, that sounds exactly like the story about the big wolf, uh, which was obviously a shape-shifting uh, animal uh, in, in, uh, on the Skinwalker Ranch, don't you think?
1: Yes. The only reason I put any credence in this is my grandfather was very soft-spoken, very quiet. He was a, a stout Mennonite, Christian believer, and he is not somebody that would make stuff up. So when he's relating that, I mean, it just kind of sends a shiver up my spine. And I'm going, that's really hard to believe, but he wouldn't have lied about it.
0: And, so, and what was the terrain like? I mean, is it possible that the Acts... Uh just got lost in some shrubbery and they just never found it? Or is it more like a typical Nebraska prairie?
1: It's just like a the prairie, just like a regular farmstead. And it's about 30 feet from the house. There was a driveway and it was on the other side of the driveway where the ax would have landed. And they looked for it for quite a while and they couldn't find any trace of it. Now, could have been lost, I don't know how, because he had grass there and a couple bushes. So more than likely, something happened to the axe. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can take it from there. But when I start hearing these stories and I start listening to the interviews, I'm becoming more and more of the opinion, like we've spoken before, there is something there. And it is demonic in nature. It is malevolent. It is not benevolent.
0: Yeah, and, and let's be clear, I mean, this has been going on uh, for 6,000 years, starting in the garden, and and we've, we've got all kinds of historical and biblical evidence uh, of demonic battles and spiritual warfare, and I mean, we could spend weeks on air talking about stories of demonic entities and things like that. So that part of it, hopefully believers understand, uh, is certainly plausible, makes sense from a biblical worldview. What we're talking about, though, is an uptick in that. We're talking about things that really since 1947, uh, and I I speculate in the book that this all began in connection with World War II. In fact, it really goes back before 1947. Uh, In 1943, we were already seeing uh, the Foo Fighters and... uh, you know, uh, those were those, uh, bizarre, uh, you know, sightings by military, uh, uh, pilots and so forth in, uh, during World War II and in, in various different, um, I'm trying to get to that page in my, uh, uh, book here, but, uh, yeah, they had, they had these, these, uh, military pilots were encountering bizarre, uh, you know, uh, uh, unexplainable entities all around their, uh, uh, you know, pilots and and their planes and so forth. And so uh, that was in 43, I believe. And then, and then of course, 47, we talked about Roswell and all of that. So there's just been an uptick and that exactly shows what, what the, the spirit of the Antichrist books are about, that if the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work among us, as first John tells us, and many Antichrists have come then the closer we get to the revelation of the actual Antichrist, capital A, we're going to see, you know, uh, bizarre uh, things like this uh, happening. And and so it shouldn't surprise us. We're going to see more and more of it. Satan, I believe, saw what was happening in World War II. He saw things like the atomic bomb. Remember, Satan is not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. Uh, he 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 doesn't have the mind of God. <clears throat> so... He sees this massive explosion that reached clearly reached up into the heavenlies, and uh, at least in the second heavens, and and he sends out a, a legion of demons to go investigate. And uh, you know, uh, it was 1945, by the way, not 1943. Uh, uh, both Allied and Axis pilots saw this, uh, all hundreds of them, all over the European and Pacific theaters. In 1946, the next year in Scandinavia, they saw the same thing and they called them ghost rockets, that nobody knew what they were. But I believe it was Satan sending out his demons on a reconnaissance mission to figure out what's going on. And then, you know, these demons report back that after the end of World War II, they're talking about making Israel a state again. And believe me, Satan knows that Israel is the apple of God's eye, that God has a plan for national Israel in the future, that indeed the Son of God. Uh, Jesus Christ, our Savior, is going to come back and rule and reign in perfect righteousness from Jerusalem in Israel. So that got Satan's attention. And uh, and then that's, that's why I believe that we started seeing more and more cosmic battles and struggles as Satan, knowing that Israel is going to become a nation again, realized the end must be near. Because he he's read the Bible, he knows the Bible better than most Christians, and he knew knows that if Israel is on the map again, we must be getting close to the return of Christ. So I believe it all makes sense. I mean, obviously we're connecting some dots here. They're not not explicitly spelled out in scripture, but one thing that is explicitly spelled out is that the closer we get to the end times, we're going to see an upsurge in the spirit of the Antichrist. And one of those spirits is the spirit of phenomena. And boy, oh boy, we have seen more uh, spiritual demonic type you know, dimensional activity in the last 75 years than we've seen in all of human history. So uh, I I just wanted to kind of clarify a little bit uh, about that. But uh, back to you, Randy. Sure.
1: Well, in 19... Well, after World War II, there were some captured uh, video footage from the Nazis that showed that they actually had a semi-working flying saucer. Shaped just like the flying saucers we've seen on Lost in Space, etc., Basically, they had gotten it to move off the ground about 10 foot, but they hadn't actually gotten it to work. But they were they were into technology that they were 50 to 100 years ahead of their time. Nobody should have understood that. Nobody should have been able to do it. But there is actual footage of this object that they had created. Now, everybody is concerned about what is behind it, like like we have talked before, Uh, People in the military look at it differently than we look at it as Christians, et cetera. But there was some interesting footage. We always wonder where these things are based and how do they hide? Well, intelligence basically is of the opinion that they have some deep ocean because of an experience that a Russian submarine captain experienced just a few months ago. He was traveling through the water at about 400 feet deep when Sonar noted three objects in front of him. They appeared to be aggressive, so he followed them. All of a sudden, the objects left the water, so he went ahead and surfaced, and there in front of him were three different saucer-shaped objects looking right at him like they were prepared to fight if they had to. Now, this happened in, uh, I believe it's Lake Baikal in Russia. Now, of course, you only hear what's on the news and what is being reported from whatever source. But then we look at how the um, Nimitz, the carrier Nimitz was surrounded by orbs and flying saucers, if you want to call them that. So we know there's something there. It just hasn't been positively identified. But Some of the people that I've talked to in the military are Christians also. They're of the opinion that something's being set up, something big that someday is going to manifest itself in a shocking way. And their opinion is, you know, if the rapture were to occur, there would be a very large void of what people would understand, what they were thinking. And he believes that that is the time when all of a sudden, we'd find out exactly what everybody knows about the unidentified flying objects, demons, etc. We know they're there. We don't know exactly what they are, but for the military to set up a special unit to investigate it, you know that they have an interest in it, also.
0: Yeah, no question. And and uh, again, you know, ever since the famous New York Times article in uh, 2017, we now know that what they had been denying for decades was, in fact, uh, the truth. As as those who've researched this have been saying, I've been talking about this for, you know, at least 15 years. Uh, and it's been fascinating to me in doing the research that, you know, what I thought was just this crazy, bizarre stuff, people were making it up. I began to realize, you know what? this It's not even possible to make this stuff up. There's so many... You know, millions of, of sightings and eyewitness reports worldwide. By the way, we're only focusing on America, but you brought up Russia. There's quite a bit of paranormal activity taking place over there. I mean, my goodness, uh, we, we'll have to save that for another day, but some incredible uh, disappearances and some incredible mountaintop uh, encounters, uh, uh, things like that. So, uh, but now, uh, you know, again, I think we're getting closer and closer to the end. And I think from the government's perspective, it's it's twofold. On the one hand, most people are not aware of the Luciferian conspiracy. They don't understand who's really pulling the strings. Uh, from a biblical perspective, they just uh, you know are on a need to know basis, and so you know they see these entities, whatever they are, wreaking havoc on our military bases, our carrier groups, um, our planes, uh, our missiles. And they are, you know, really freaked out because they can't do anything about it. And these objects are doing things that are just not possible to do. I mean, uh, we've seen the footage. Tucker Carlson showed some of the footage on his show. And so, as have many others. So, from their perspective, they're, they're kind of concerned about it. But I think another aspect of it is the powers that be up to a certain level, call it the deep state, call it what you want. They also don't know what it is, but yet they are... Uh, following the old Machiavelli uh, principle of never let a good crisis go to waste. You know, a lot of people think that originated with Rahm Emanuel. It goes way back centuries, um, but it's been a, a key aspect of uh, the Luciferian agenda all along. It's very similar to the Hegelian dialectic, but, you know, they are saying, hey, we don't know what these things are. They're dangerous. They, we, they could hurt us, but here's an opportunity uh, for in this crisis to you use it in our deceptive scheme to for several reasons a to explain the rapture as we've already talked about but also even before the rapture to scare people into submission into doing uh, what they uh, want i mean even as i quote in the book even ronald reagan during his presidency addressed the u.n and talked about hey boy wouldn't it wouldn't it bring the world to i'm paraphrasing here but he said wouldn't it bring the world together if we if every nation uh, were suddenly found themselves a common enemy of an, uh, an alien invasion uh and so uh, they're, they're using this crisis to advance the ultimate Luciferian agenda. And I believe, um, according to their timetable, unless the Lord intervenes, which he certainly may, if they get their wish, that sometime in the very near future, certainly in the 2020s, according to their timetable, if they get their wish, we're going to see some type of major event blamed on uh, aliens uh, and it's going to scare people into signing on to the one world system, whether that's digital currencies, uh, you, know, you name it. But giving up both individual and national sovereignty uh, because we're all uh, you know, in danger from this boogeyman. What, what do you think, Randy?
1: Definitely. You know, when you, when you talk to people that should know this stuff and they tell you, well, an alien or aliens are still alive then my question is, why why don't you just tell the public about it? Why are you holding it for a surprise? Let the people know so they can make sense of what's going on. I mean, we all know there's something out there. We now know that the government is worried about it. And people, they lose sleep over stuff like this. It makes them extremely nervous and anxious. And there's no reason to do that if, in fact, they know what's going on and, you know, they have examples of it. But I, I, it was very interesting to read your book and to do the research on some of the stuff that we're talking about this morning. I mean, I notice a lot of the um, uh, televangelists, other people that are into um, the future, the end of the world, et cetera, they're saying the same thing you said a year and a half ago. <laughs> now, either they read your book or something is finally turning the light on. Yeah. Because I, mean, I remember some of your sermons and your books, and I'm going, so why are they so far behind? And, you know, I well, guess I, finally they're becoming believers or what? Yeah, I, I definitely
0: believe these books are for such a time as this. As I said, when we rolled out volume one in March of this year, it was the culmination of 15 years of study. And I said it, it was at the time, it was the most important book I've ever written. Uh, and volume two just goes, even further. Um, now, remember, our passion at Not By Works Ministries is the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. So whatever else we do, we're trying to draw people who don't know the Lord uh, to the Lord by proclaiming the gospel. It's the gospel that's the power of God to salvation, according to Romans one sixteen. So, um, you know, that's one of my driving passions, and that's the reason in both books, at the end, I have an epilogue that clearly articulates the gospel, and of course, throughout the books, if you've read the books, you know that periodically, as it as it comes up, I'm talking about, you know, what it means to have eternal life and how you can be sure of your salvation and so forth. But um, I, I want to go back to this notion of the the alleged living alien uh, and explain, because a lot of our readers, that might be a bridge too far. They're going okay, I can understand the demonic aspect and how these sightings in the sky could be glimpses of the spiritual battle. And, you know, they understand shape-shifting, which if you don't know shape-shifting is just the ability of a demon to take on an animal form. Uh, And we see that in Scripture. Uh, You know, they may say, yeah, I get all that, but but how do you explain biblically the potential of having a literal being of some kind, biological in some sense, in captivity? Well, uh, let me do my best to explain why I think conceivably that could still be true. Uh, in the Bible, we understand if you understand your angelology and demonology, <laughs> which I get into in volume one, you know, that demons and angels, demons, of course, are just fallen angels. So when we use the term angel, we generally are talking about the good angels, but you know, the Bible uses the term angel sometimes to speak of the bad guys, you know, the, the demons, um, but both of them have the same, uh, you know, basic uh, attributes. They are created beings. Uh, they are not human beings. To completely different class of created being. Human beings are the highest class of creation, made in the image of God. Uh, demons, or angels rather, are not. But in any event, we know from our angelology that angels can take on human form, both demons and angels. We see this in Hebrews, where the Bible tells us to be careful to entertain a stranger because you might be entertaining an angel and not know it. And we also see in the Old Testament examples of angelic visitors visiting Lot, and uh, and he invites them into their home, and they spend the night there. And, and and we know they were human in form because the homosexual, uh, you know, pagans in that community stormed the house, demanding to for Lot to send these angelic visitors out so they can have their way with them. And, and we see other examples. When Jesus cast out demons at the Gadarenes, he, the demons said, hey, you know, cast us into these pigs. We don't want to go to the abyss, which is the permanent prison uh, where those angels who left their proper domain in Genesis 6 were banished, and they're there for all of eternity until they get cast into the lake of fire where they're tormented. Uh, they'll never be released from prison, and these demons didn't want Jesus to send them there too. So they t- they took on the uh, the, the former and dwelt these uh, pigs, this herd of swine. And then, of course, if you remember the story, those pigs went and jumped off the the cliff, uh, and and presumably they died. But what happened to the demons? So the fact of the matter is, when demonic entities leave the realm of the heavenlies and come into time, space, and matter in this created earth, um, they can take on human form. They can indwell human form. And if they were to, uh, which I think is the case with these cosmic battles, get uh, trapped there through some accident or unexpected uh, occurrence, uh, which is, I think what happened at Roswell, then, you know, you're going to have material physicality left behind in the form of, crashed, you know, ships. It does not prove that they're aliens from another planet. It just proves that in this, uh, you know, coalescence of the physical with the spiritual, something happened. And in that moment, it was left behind. We see spirituality manifested itself, manifesting itself many times in the physicality. You can have you know, poltergeist. You can have, you know, again, obviously, demon possessed individuals, unbelievers, believers cannot be demon possessed, but believers can be. I mean, but unbelievers can be. So you see, you see this happening. So I think I'm not suggesting that the the alien that alien or aliens that they claim to have in captivity are real. It could be made up. It could be just a great deception, but it, it's not uh, inconsistent with biblical theology. For something like that to happen in the demonic realm. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that for uh, our listeners. Uh, So Randy, as we kind of uh, get to the end of today's program and kind of wrap up, any other, uh, you know, bombshell data that you've been able to
1: glean from some of your sources? Well, it's going to be an interesting Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, The military firmly believes that in about two to three weeks, the ground in the Ukraine will be frozen, and that Putin is going to make an onslaught against Ukraine, such as we have—we can't even imagine. Uh, everybody is fearing for their life. They have bread and water now, and sometimes a little bit extra, but they're pretty sure that as soon as the ground freezes, he's in there, and he won't stop until he accomplishes his goal. I've also noticed, I believe um, I sent out an email on this yesterday, about the medications that are in short supply now. Uh, if you look down those medications, I'll give you one clue as to where they're made. China. And that is our friends in China.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So basically, this is all starting. You know, we're worried about a nuclear war, worried, worried about this. But the Chinese, being as bright as they are, are going to use other things to... Um, start things off causes problems that way they hope we capitulate before we ever get to the China-Taiwan sector, stuff like that. Um I firmly believe that with the government we now have that was re-elected pretty much intact, that um when the Ukraine is attacked further and it gets really serious down to the nuclear war aspect, or if Taiwan is attacked, I really believe the United States is going to take a back seat and go, not our fight. Not right. our circus, not our monkeys. So <laughs> I'm just afraid that um, it's coming because, you know, they're starting off very subtly. They're buying all the gold and silver. They're getting us to the place where our dollar's not worth anything. So I would expect a firm move- movement militarily within the next two to three weeks. And I think it'll be um, substantial enough that the people in the United States that don't care are finally going to start to care because they're Going to see with the shortages, with what's taking place between the countries, um, our currency going down the tubes, I think this is going to be a very um, um, rough fall and winter.
0: Yeah, sure, shaping up that way. Of course, we don't have the mind of God, but all the signs point uh, point to that and you know even the uh the midterms yesterday I know they're still counting votes allegedly you know uh, counting votes they're going through the motions of counting the votes so that we think that we have real elections here but anyway the you know the the pre-narrative was it's going to be this red tidal wave well so much for that uh <clears throat> and you know of course as I've said many times it's not elections it's elections uh some of the elections are legit they can't control everything but they control enough of it uh to really have their way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I want to leave our listeners with some encouragement. And, you know, the fact that everything is falling apart and from the prophetic perspective falling into place should not be a source of discouragement and certainly not fear, because fear is not of the Lord. It should be a source of encouragement. Why? Because the only way Christ can rebuild everything and, and usher in the, the new heavens and new earth and make everything new once again is if it's first collapsed. I mean, that's God's plan of the ages, that Satan is going to take over the world, rule a one-world system, Christ will come back after seven years, and, and destroy the, the Antichrist, the false prophet. He will imprison Satan for a thousand years, and then uh, he will ha- take his place on th- the throne as the rightful heir, as has been promised, uh, going back to the prophet's old going all the way back to Genesis 3.15 in the garden when God told Satan that one day the seed of the woman, capital S, referring to Christ, uh, the virgin birth, uh, one day he will come and crush your head. So you're doomed, Satan. You may think you've won in the garden with the temptation, but uh, and you did bring death into this world and so forth and so on, but Christ is going to win. So as we, you know, we've got to take practical precautions and sort of keep keep our finger on the pulse and not be naive and stick our head in the sand, but let's not forget the big picture, that one day Christ is going to, you know, uh, make all things new. I mean, Klaus Schwab thinks he's going to build back better. Well, he's building back better from his perspective, which is this evil, satanic, demonically possessed you know agenda. Uh, Christ is going to build back best because uh, he's going to make all things new when sin shall be no more. So uh, let's let's you know look up and be watchful. Titus two thirteen says, "Look for that blessed hope." Uh, the rapture, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to be talking about that verse tonight in our uh, live stream. Again, you can live stream our uh, message tonight from Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado at six o'clock mountain time. Just go to notbyworks.org and uh, click on the uh, live stream uh, button. And if you're listening to this program today and uh, all of this stuff has really kind of piqued your interest and you are starting to think about spiritual things and you don't know for certain if you'll spend eternity in heaven, let me just remind you that the gospel is very simple. It's good news. It's good news that you do not have to spend eternity in a literal place of torment called hell because your sin debt the the consequence for your sin, that payment has been made on your behalf by Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. He died for your sins. He rose again, and now He is offering to you the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. It is a free gift. All you have to do is receive it by faith. So if you've not trusted in Jesus Christ, let me encourage you today in simple childlike faith to trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins. How do you do that? Well, it's a simple mat- matter of, of of accepting him as your savior. And pr- you know, a lot of people receive Christ by prayer. There's no such thing as the sinner's prayer. The Bible never says you have to pray to get to heaven, but it does say you have to believe in Jesus more than 160 times. Faith alone in Christ alone is the, the one condition for receiving that gift. So you might just say something like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. Uh, I acknowledge my sin and I trust in your son and my savior as the only one who can forgive that sin and give me the free gift of eternal life. And today I'm trusting in him. And if you do that, the Bible says in that instant, you become born again and part of the family of God. So if we can be of any help to you, feel free to reach out to Not By Works at any time. You can call us 1-800-895-1851. at 1-800-895-1851. Again, that's 1-800-895-1851. Uh, check out our website at notbyworks.org, notbyworks.org. That's where you can find all kinds of uh, free videos and podcasts and devotionals, uh, and of course, you can live stream all of our uh, services as well. And uh, don't forget to check out spiritoftheantichrist.org spiritoftheantichrist.org if you've not already done so, and uh, take a look at Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 1 and Volume 2, the books that we have been talking about today. So, Randy, thanks for being with us today. We will uh, have you on again next week and uh, continue with a different uh, subject. Always appreciate your insight, your wisdom, and uh, thanks for being with us today. You bet. All right, well, God bless. You guys have a great uh, rest of the day. Hopefully, we'll see you tonight on air at the uh, live stream at six o'clock mountain time. God bless.